What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Gunter, and I am absolutely honored to be able to introduce to you today's guest, Jose Martinez. So Jose is now a world-class surfer, but his story is in some ways just unfathomable in terms of the type of adversity that he has had to overcome to become the athlete that he is today. So Jose is going to talk a little bit about in the show, but just to give you an idea kind of where this thing is going, Jose is an army veteran. He served and fought over in Afghanistan and uh, due to a catastrophic injury, became a triple amputee as a result of his injuries. And we hear a little bit today about, you know, what happened while serving, um, the adversity that he faced as a child. He grew up in Compton. And I think what you'll hear today is he is one of the most genuinely positive and naturally inspirational people that I've probably ever encountered in my life. I I don't say this often. It, It was truly an honor to be able to speak with him today. And You know, I always record these intros right before these things go live. And man, I have reflected back on this conversation multiple times already in my own life. So I can't wait um, for you folks to get to listen to his perspective, hear his experience. I know it's going to have a profound impact for you as well. And I'm just so thankful to have this platform so that, you know, we could introduce him to, to more folks. What's really incredible is today he's also, like I said, a world class surfer. He's part of Team USA's adaptive surfing team, and he's won over the course of his short athletic career uh, 13 gold, silver, and bronze medals. And just recently in the uh, the Amp Surf ISA World Parasurfing Championships, he just took third. So right now he is the third-ranked best surfer in his classification. So we talk a lot about that. Uh, we talk about the incredible lengths that he goes. And now I'm talking about physical lengths, distances that he travels to surf uh, multiple times a week. We hear his incredible story. And oh, it's just one of my favorite conversations. And I- I'm going to leave it at that because I don't, I don't want to put any more time in between you getting to hear Jose speak. So uh, as a final call out, I do want to bring up before the show starts, uh, Jose and uh, his good buddy, Zach Ames, they served together in the Army. And Zach's actually uh, a friend of mine from, from childhood, and he actually introduced me to Jose, so shout out, Zach. They have started a, a fantastic nonprofit. It's called the Four Season Fighters. Uh, you can find them at fourseasonfighters.org. Uh, we talk about it a bit during the show, but uh, go on, check it out. It's a fantastic cause, uh, and you can read a little bit about how you can contribute either through volunteering your time or making a donation. Uh, but man, they're, they're doing some really incredible work. So, all right, without further ado, please welcome Jose Martinez to the show. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk to you. It's time to start the show. All right, man. Jose, thank you for uh, joining us on the show this week. No, thank you for having me. It's actually a pleasure. I was really, really excited to be on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the people definitely wouldn't know this, but uh, I have ruined the start time of this. I think we've we've tried now three different times to start it, and that's all because of my terrible 
planning and communication skills. I'm just grateful that we made it work. <laughs> yeah, we got here. We got here. Um, right on, man. So, hey, so where are you actually at right now? I didn't even ask you that. I actually live in the high desert, so I'm in the Apple Valley area. Um, if people are thinking of California, it's between Los Angeles and Las Vegas. So I'm right in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've made that drive many a time. Oh, okay. Actually. Well, there you go. You know, when you go up the El Cajon Pass, that's where up on the top of the high deserts where I live at. Oh, nice, man. Wait, so, okay. So you're, I mean, we're going to get there for sure, but you're a big time surfer. How do you, how do you pull that off living in the high desert? <laughs> uh, dedication. Uh, I actually, every time I go surf, um, I'm up at three in the morning, maybe three in the morning. So I can be at the beach by about six 30, seven o'clock. So depending on traffic, um, it takes me about two to three hours sometimes to get to the beach. You're kidding me. Yeah. And I'm there three times, four times. Oh, it's, it's competition time. I, I'll probably be there two weeks before. We'll get a hotel two weeks before so I could be there constantly. But if I'm doing a month before, I'll be there three to four times a week. So. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now we got to <laughs> dig into this. All right, so one, that's incredible. Are you, are you naturally a morning person? I, as long as the alarm doesn't um, ring, I'm a morning person. So <laughs> yeah. Morning, I'm, I've gotten the habit to, if I'm going to go surf, it's uh, exciting to me. So it's like a kid going to Disneyland. It's, you know, it's not work anymore. It's actually, yeah. I'm going to go and enjoy myself. I'm going to go and have some fun, whether it's big waves or small waves. So I try to wake up. I mean, I have an alarm just for the backup reasons, but um, I, I just, um, I'm happy when I wake up because I, um, I can do something again. You know, I have yeah. the ability to do something again. Yeah. So where, where do you typically go surf then? Like what, where is the nearest, or I guess maybe the best place to surf? Um, where we normally where you're from. So I actually have help. So I have two of my friends that actually help me out in the water and they're in the San Diego area. So I normally oh, right surf on. at Del Mar, La Jolla Shores. Um, La, Jolla, on, La Jolla is so beautiful. Oh, it's great. That, that's where we surf at. The, um, people actually think I'm a local. That's yeah. where I live. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there, we also go to churches, which is at the Marine base up at Canada. Ah, okay. Yeah. Since we have our access cards, we literally just drive in through there and park right next to the beach, which is perfect. So oh, that's awesome. it's literally where, um, wherever we can find the best surf. And, uh, if we could all make it there at the same time, then that's where normally we're surfing at. But if it's competition time, then one of my friends is retired because he's a Navy, he was a Navy corpsman. Okay. Um, and another buddy of mine, which was the first guy that ever pushed me into a wave, um, he just, he's a really, really awesome guy. His name is Darren Klassen, and okay. he helps out um, at the Naval Medical Center for uh, surf therapy. Um, because uh, back in 2006, if I'm correct, the Naval Medical Center started okaying um, people to have surf as a therapy because of what oh, a person wow. named Betty. Yeah. Um, this person fought really hard for us to have surf therapy because she understood that the water really assists us in becoming better. And it really does. If yeah. You think about it, I mean, you're waking up in the morning really early. So um, if you were in the military, that's something that you're already used to. So you wake up really early, but you're not really going to go and do PT. I mean, you are, but you're not in a sense. You're actually going to go and have fun instead of actually worrying about 
puking because you're exercising way too hard. Or it's too early in the morning, you know. Once right. the water hits you, it's kind of like it's just you in the water. So, mm. and and because of that, she um, helped make that a really big thing and they allowed it. And now it's actually all through the VA that surf is actual considered therapy now. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's the reason why I was able to get on my first surfboard. And the reason why I started doing all of this was because I was actually at the Naval Medical Center um, a couple of years after everything was established. And um, Betty really, really pushed me after I got hurt um, to go swimming first um, because there, we had a 50 meter pool. Then she threw me in there. She's like, hey, you need to learn how to swim. And I'm like, what do you mean? I know how to swim. She's like, you got one arm now. Do you right. know how to swim? She goes, you don't even know how to walk right now. How do you know how to like, you know, um, swim? Yeah. And she threw me in the water. And the first time it took me like three hours to actually swim 50 meters. And it got me really mad. I'm oh, like, man. I'm faster than this, you know? Yeah. And I went back the next day and I started keep. I didn't stop going, to be honest with you. And then like two to three weeks later, Betty's all like, hey, let's go surfing now. I'm like, what? I look like a little hurt seal. <laughs> like, I look like an appetizer for these things, you know? <laughs> she goes, don't worry about it. There's more than enough people out there that could, you know, that end up being a better meal than the, the shark would choose. And I'm like, that's what you're going to tell me? I did not <laughs> even, that's not even where my head went. Is it like when you said seal, you're thinking like shark food? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you put me in the wetsuit, I literally look like a little seal, especially when I'm all crawling over the water and stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man! So, so you actually got to work with Betty, the woman who started that program. Yes, I actually got to work with her, the one that started at the Naval Medical Center. Yes. Oh wow, that's amazing. Um, to this day, she actually uh, helps me in my competitions as well. So, really? Yes, because uh, we have a lot of in my category of surfing. Um, I need a extra help, so I need a pusher in the back to help me get into the wave because ah, okay, my arm isn't enough. And yeah. some of the other guys that I'm actually competing against um, aren't able to actually paddle into their own wave. So ah. I'm in the same category as them, which yeah. is the um, assist, the prone assist category. And we need a pusher and a catcher. And sometimes uh, my other competitors don't have a catcher or stuff like that. So I like to take a big team that we I feel comfortable enough that I know no matter, even though I'm competing, no one's going to get hurt. I don't want anybody drowning. I don't, you know, right. that, that scares me because I have the ability to swim. So I, I've been in 10 foot waves, no problem. Like I get hurt. Like I literally gone down, get rolled over and everything. And I pop out laughing because I, I'm, I practice for this. I, you know, I, uh, yeah. I go to the gym for this. My friend, he's a Navy corpsman and, he goes, you better be swimming or else I ain't taking you out. So he'll we, he'll push me to my limits that he'll know like what my limits are and stuff like that. And he's uh, he used to be a competitive swimmer for high school and um, he actually um, loves to do bodyboarding. So he's done surfing all his life. So yeah. I, I feel really comfortable with him as long as he tells me like he, he'll literally tell me like, hey, today's a big day. So just heads up or today, hey, I'm going to let you do your thing and I want to see what you do, you know? So yeah, he pushes my limits to see how far I can actually go without hurting us, without hurting himself or without hurting me because he's gotten blown up a couple of times. He was in Iraq. 
Ah, uh, okay. So he, yeah. okay. So he's also been injured. Yeah. 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 So he, it's to the point where like he has a service dog to actually help him stay up because sometimes when he's walking, he'll get dizzy and he'll start like to fall down and stuff like that. Oh, so, no kidding. Yeah. Was, uh, vertigo. Is that what he has? In a sense, kind of like that, but to a better extreme because he, it kind of messes with his spine. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. So they, we've been trying to figure out what's really wrong with him. So, um, but um, I feel like since we started competing two years ago, two and a half years ago together, um, he's changed from, he used to be this grumpy dude to, Hey, I love you. I'll see you later. You know? So I've, yeah. we've, we've gotten to the point where I've kind of changed his aspect of how he should be seeing life, you know? Yeah. And, and it makes it a lot better to see that, um, I'm changing the people around me you know, and it makes me feel really good. Yeah. And how, how much, uh, and, and I mean, that definitely like comes across and I wish I had the video of this. Cause I mean, you just, you know what I mean? Like you, you have one of those personalities. It's like very embracing, you know what I mean? You, you feels very lighthearted. Um, I'm sure that's coming across in the audio as well, but you know, the, the fact that you call it, uh, and, and it's, um, designated as such like surf therapy, like, I guess, you know, to what extent is, is the therapy mental versus just like physical? Uh, I, I honestly think it's more mental to be honest with you. Than yeah. Physical. I mean, it's absolutely physical because it's the water. You're not going to beat the water. There's times out there where you're just paddling and you're like, <gasps> I can't do this, you know, and it takes a lot <laughs> yeah. out of you. But um, I think it's more of a mental game because for a lot of us, we're so used to being high strong that mm. it actually kind of calms us down in our mental state to either be in the moment or realize that there's something bigger than us. You know, mm. we've been so gun ho of we need to go, 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 go. Like everything that we go, we need to like just put our heads down and just keep running. And that's not the key of life. You know, it can't be that way. Sometimes you got to, you know, um, actually sit down and acknowledge things for what it is and see which way you want to go. You know, Sometimes yeah. it's, you can go this way, but this way is actually makes more sense for what you're trying to do. And, and sometimes not everybody has the same plan or everybody's going to work out the same way. And I've learned that for me specifically, I got one arm. A lot of right. people will see me walking and they'll still come up to me and ask me, have you tried running? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like if you guys would know my actual story that I, I wasn't when I, after I blew up, the doctors told me I'll never be able to walk again. I'm actually missing a hip on my right side. So I'm oh, like, wow. I'm a hip disarticulant on my right side. And because of that, the doctors told me I'll probably never walk again in my life. Yeah. I, I think I'm number one in the world as a triple amputee as a triple amputee because i know a couple of hip disarticulate i have one buddy of mine his name's jay um he's a hip disarticulate as well but he's just missing his hip he has his other arm and his legs and stuff like that you know yeah so i always like to say as a triple amputee i think i'm one in the world or one of three in the world that's ever walked and done all the things that i've actually done i mean i hunt wow. i fish i swim i surf i I do speeches. I and I do it all with my legs on. I don't surf with my legs on because they'll actually drown me. But right, yeah, the, that's the only time that I don't have my legs on is when I, a little bit of a liability in the water, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heavy for me. Yeah. You no, know? and um, so I, 
the doctors told me I'll never walk again. And when they told me that, I'm like, there's no way. Like, I, there's no way, you know? And yeah. I think six months later, I was up actually walking. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I don't so, I don't believe what doctors say. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, good. We're glad you don't. Um, so, I mean, I guess what is it that usually prevents people from being able to walk when they have that condition? Is it just like a pain barrier that you're forced to push yourself through that most people just aren't willing to handle? Or like, it can be a, a variation of a lot of things. Um, me okay. personally, I didn't have any infections. I, I mean, I have pains. I get cuts and stuff like that, but I. I'm a bit more mobile when I put my legs on and I can do a lot of things when I put my legs on. I can get to certain places when I put my legs on. Yeah. Like, I've been to third world countries with no problem because I, I was able to put my legs on and do everything. So mm -hmm. one of the main reasons why I started putting my legs on was because um, the first year I got hurt, they took us out actually diving. And when they took us diving, um, they were, um, in order for me to get into the airplane they need to get an aisle chair and they need to put you on there and they need to take you and then they need to bring you back and um when we actually got to bonaire which is a, a small place in the caribbean at the end of the caribbean there were stairs to go down the airplane someone had to pick mm. me up on the aisle chair and take me down and i'm like dude like this is too much for everybody like it's for too much for me it's too much for them like what if they drop me? They're going to feel bad. Like I'm going to be hurt. Like there's too much things going on. So because of that, I pushed myself as hard as possible to, to really try and walk, you know? And, yeah. and it really just helped me out, um, to do the things that I actually needed to do to, yeah. you know, to be and, and do the things that I needed to do. I guess yeah. the best way I can actually say it. So I, I felt like if I wasn't mobile, I, I, I would have hurt myself. You know, I would, I got hurt at 23. If I would have felt actually handicapped, then it would have been really bad for me. Hmm. You know? So, yeah. And this is just me, just, this is me being myself because I, even the people around me when I was getting hurt, they were animals, bro. These guys were like, literally we were all hurt and we would go to our physical therapy and then later on after lunch, they would literally close down the therapy center and you would see all the amputees roll in and pick up all the weights and stuff like that and just turn off the lights and just start going at it. Like we had our therapist there to like help us out, you know, cause they just wanted to be there to make sure we were fine. But yeah, because of, I had, I had Rangers around me. I had Marines. I had all, I, in a sense, I literally recovered with Marines and Navy people around me because I, I, when they put me at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego, it was a small unit. Hmm. And a lot of the people that were just getting there um, weren't in the situation that I was in. I was actually in Afghanistan. Most of the people were still be at Walter Reed in the East Coast, but because my family was in the West Coast in California and yeah. we started this place, they're like, hey, you mind if we send you over there because you're getting too expensive. I'm like, all right, let's do this. So, um, but because of that, um, I was able to like work out with, with good people and, and I really recovered. I think the proper way that I, that I should have recovered. And that's remembering that I'm still the same person that I was before any of this happened. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's amazing. And I know you guys are just savages. So I can imagine <laughs> back well, in to work out. 
Meanwhile, the average person is like, been like, oh, I got to go to the gym today. Well, well you know, I, I, I really, I, it's crazy to say this, but I brought that attitude back out out of me after I started competing. The first time I competed, I never even ranked. Uh, hmm. I didn't win anything. I, you know, I got kicked off in the semifinals. I'm like, no, like, <laughs> you know, like, you uh, and to be honest with you, all I could think of was my sergeant, Sergeant Ames' voice, like, because he was so on top of us. Like, we don't lose. Every time we entered a competition in the military, we would win our competitions. We, yeah. It didn't matter what happened the night before. It didn't matter what was going on in our lives. We were not going to lose. And that was something about us. And because I was instilled with that from my sergeants in the military, when I lost that first competition, it just, like, burned in my heart I, I cried all the way home but yeah I there to uh, applaud for the guys that did win and the ones that did you know make it so and I told myself that the next time I was going to be up there after that um before this I was scared to go to the gym and after I lost I I told myself I was like all right like that's it I don't care if people stare at me I don't care if you know, people are looking at me the wrong way. If they come ask me questions, like, I'm just going to go for it. Like, I'm just going to go and do my thing. Like, yeah, because of that attitude again, like I just manned up and just did the things that I needed to do and started going to the gym again. And I've been going every day for an hour and a half, like two hours sometimes if I can. Like, depends how much my arm could take it. And, you know, I think about them like people are in the gym for two hours, but they're doing different parts. You know, they got that. Two yeah, parts. that's a great point. I'm literally just one arm like the whole time. And um, I try to do stuff on my right side as well, but it's very minimal, you know, as well. Um, I actually just started seeing that I could push with my leg on my left side because I'm all the way to on my left side. I'm missing all the way up to uh, below my knee. So I have about this much after my knee. Oh, okay. And, and I'm using my prosthetics. So the other day I was seeing, I was like, all right, I can do hamstrings. I was like, all right. So I started pushing and I started seeing, I was like, all right, we can do this. Like, I, that's I amazing. You know, I want to be complete. Like I, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have a body part. That's not as strong. Like I can't have something that's weak, you know? I, right. I don't know if surfing will ever hurt me so much that I, I need to be as strong as possible or I just mm. want to make sure that I'm, I'm not lacking, you know, like if someone says, Hey, we need to run this way. Like, all right, I'll make sure I'm there too, you know, I'll right, right, right. get there. But, um, um, personally, I think it's just trying to do your best every single day. I mean, that's the fact that we have a body, we have the ability to every day change something about it. And even our brain, our physical mind, um, mm. the fact that we don't actually acknowledge that, and we don't actually see how strong we can become. I think there's something wrong in the human mind or body. So I definitely, hmm. whether it's not mentally, I, if you're not a person that likes to go to the gym, then show me how smart you truly are. Yeah. I, 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 I know a lot of people that just can't do the gym, but they're not big. They can just like walk. They, you know, they, they're physically good but they're mentally strong. They're so mentally strong, you know? And yeah. I, I think you either have one or the other, but if you can have both, then you're in a whole nother playing field, you know? So yeah, I, I, I want to push myself. I want to see how far I can go because 
these doctors told me I'll never be able to walk again. So right. I'm showing them what's possible and what's not. Yeah. And now we're, now we're ripping out hamstring curls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they said you couldn't walk and now you have jacked quads. That's, oh man, it seems like for you, I mean, just in talking to you, it's, you know, it's just, uh, the mental barrier is something that, that it seems at least where you're at today, like you push through and it's, it's not a matter of like, can I do it? It's a matter of like, all right, I'm going to do it. Now I just need to figure out how. Exactly. See, and uh, I, I've gone to a lot of places and again, because of the fact that I can walk, I get into some trouble sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I'm in the bathroom and I'm like, all right, how am I going to do this? And I'm all looking around and then my wife goes in and she's like, how'd you do that? I'm like, <laughs> I, yeah, I just figured it out. The thing is, <laughs> I, I've understood that as other people are, might be playing checkers, I'm playing chess. Hmm. everything's so easy i mean when you were born you start figuring out that you can crawl so you start crawling eventually you figure out that your legs are strong enough to hold you up and then you start walking yeah and it's an everyday thing so you know i guess my sense right now is me figuring out how to lift myself up and walk because i'm still at the crawling stage i mean yeah. you know, so it's it's figuring out things here and there um, right before competition, I'm going to tell you this much. Um, <laughs> I, I was in the hotel room and they didn't have, um, a handicapped bathroom. So ah. I, I had to figure it out. And, uh, my wheelchair kind of didn't fit in between the bathroom to get into the shower. So they had, I grabbed an office chair, put it in the shower, in the little area, pushed myself through there, got in the shower, showered myself, got everything ready. As I was jumping off, I slipped somehow and I actually cracked the back of my head and I had a big old bump. Oh my. And this is right before a competition, too. Like two days right before, two, three days right before competition. And I'm like, oh my God. I was seeing stars, like the little birds that came out and everything. And my wife's all like, you're lucky you didn't pass out and you were out there by yourself. I'm like, oh, well, there's something wrong with me because I never pass out. A bomb <laughs> didn't even make me pass out. Put it that way. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, I remember every single thing. I literally stepped on my IED. Yeah, yeah. So, if you don't mind sharing, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so <laughs> on a random March... Uh, I think it was March 3rd, 2012. Um, we were out on a mission in Afghanistan. And, and um, how, how, how long had you been in the army at this point? Two years. Okay. Yeah. We were, we were, uh, we had just gotten into, no, we were four, we we're five months into Afghanistan. Four okay. months, months into Afghanistan. And this yeah. is, uh, this is 2000, is this 2012? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were out in Afghanistan in Kandahar. We were just on a mission. It was a simple mission. All we had to do is make sure that no one gets hurt. Uh, we had these um, locals that needed to build the road, but they kept getting shot because it, I guess the other people didn't want them to build it. Hmm. So all we needed to do is just protect them. We're like, all right, cool. But they told us that the night before they saw people digging around there. And I'm like, all right, cool. So there might be something out there. And they're like, yeah, there might be something out there. We don't know what it is, or it might just be that they were just out there. So yeah. we ended up taking a bomb squad with us and we ended up driving out. And we took the bomb squad out. 
we they searched everywhere where they said that it, this might be where these guys were squatting around and they cleared everything we were just fine so we were walking around and we were stationing um we were positioning ourselves where we needed to be at um, but where we were positioned at it didn't have a lot of coverage for us so and any we were kind of on the little hill so okay. if we if we would have stayed there we would have gotten hurt really really bad Hmm. I mean, all of us would have gotten really hurt really bad. If we would have started taking contact or anything like that, we would have been hit um, fast and all of us would have been hit. So hmm. we started looking around and my point man, he actually has a mind hound. So he actually has a little metal detector that he's looking around and making sure that nothing's around there. He started walking around to another side to see if we can actually position ourselves there. When we started walking around, we were actually getting our stuff ready and to move around again. And all of a sudden we hear an explosion go off. And I look to my left and there's this big cloud of dust and we hear our appointment screaming. Hmm. He, when he, when I hear him scream, I literally look over to my guys, I turn around. And as I turn around, I see my sergeant saying, at least in my head, I, I saw them like nodding their heads saying like, let's go get, let's go get him, you know? So I, right. I remember grabbing my backpack. I remember turning and I was a machine gunner. So I carried around a thousand rounds in my backpack and another thousand rounds in my vest. Yeah. Um, how much, how much of that weigh? An extra 130 pounds, <laughs> maybe like something like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, was on, that was on the right day. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we were only going out for one day, so we didn't have to carry much. So yeah. I probably weighed an extra about 110, 120 pounds over hmm. uh, everybody else because everybody else carries around just an M4 and stuff like that. So um, I grabbed my stuff, grabbed my bag, and as I turned, I remember looking down at the boot steps that he had stepped on. So my thought process was if I step on his boot steps, then I shouldn't step on anything, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I remember stepping in on the sixth boot step. Um, I remember stepping in the, my, my right leg and just igniting something. And I remember flying up about 10 feet up in the air. I landed head first. Um, instantly, I... I felt something wrong, like completely instantly. I, I felt like I was losing my breath. So I was actually intaking air, but I couldn't decompress. And, and instantly my guys jumped on top of me. I had my medic Sturdivant. I had strain powers, Jesse, um, Sergeant was on, on me. There's Hector on me. Um, everybody was on top of me trying to close me up. They literally closed me up within seconds. And I remember grabbing them and telling them like, I can't breathe. Like I cannot breathe. And that's when Sturdivant started figuring out that my lungs, something had happened with my lungs. So he popped a nasal pharyngeal on my nose, um, which is this little pick line that goes straight into your nose. So you can see if you can breathe that didn't wow. work out. And I remember him just popping me in my collarbone so that the air decompress. And once he did that, I remember being able to breathe. And once I was able to breathe, I was pushing them off. I'm like, man, get the 
fuck off of me. I'm dying here. Tell my mom I'm a hero. Like, um, I spoke to Sergeant um, right before my last competition because they were all able to make it out. We were celebrating eight years. And um, I had the conversation and he said, do you remember putting the rifle to your head and saying, shoot me? I'm done. Uh. And I'm like, okay, I thought that did happen, but I never wanted to mention that. Hmm. <laughs> and I just, I, my story sounds crazy because I was literally having conversations with my guys. I remember power slapping me and saying, shut the fuck up, Martinez. We're going to be having beers in two weeks. This is all fuck up. We're good. Don't yeah. worry about it. You know, we got you. And once they were trying, starting to like tell me that I was going to be okay, that's when I started believing that I was going to be okay. You know, that I can actually make it out of this. And I remember them throwing me on the stretcher. And because we were on the little hill, they dropped me on the way down. Oh, my God. <laughs> they dropped oh. me on the way down. Oh, my. Just, and then they put me back on there. They dropped me on the way up. Oh. And then they. And you, rem- and you remember all of this. I remember all of this. Um, it was to the point where I even remember um, the radio chat that was going on. My sergeant started call- calling the nine line to make sure that they had someone come in and pick me up. Hmm. And um, they actually told them that they were going to have to drive me in to um, the base because uh, we had red air, meaning that we didn't have anybody up in the air allowed to go up. Hmm. And they started like, yelling at them saying there's no possible way you need to send somebody like you you need to get someone here like he's not going to make it i remember hearing all this chatter and out of nowhere um i think special forces um overheard our chatter and they just said pop smoke we're gonna pick uh we're gonna pick him up he's gonna be all right like i i remember that and i remember them coming down picking me up and once they put me on the um on the helicopter, I remember grabbing them and telling them that I'm hurting, that I, I need pain meds and stuff like that. And they just told me, I got you. We'll, we'll get you safe to where we need to get you at. Um, one part of the story I didn't mention is the day before um, we were on a mission coming back from this long-term two-week mission that we were out in. And our platoon sergeant, his our medic and his driver actually rolled over an IED. So oh, my platoon sergeant was already at the base where I was about to land in. My platoon sergeant heard that something was going on. Um, gracefully, all three of them were okay. They were just getting checked to make sure that they can continue on. And when he heard chatter, um, he waited for to see who was dropping down. And um, me and Sergeant Harris are really good friends. I mean, we're, we're all really good friends, but we had a really special connection. And um, when he saw me, I remember him just saying, I'm sorry. I remember him crying. And when his tears rolled down onto my body, I, I felt super blissful and calm, like everything was going to be okay. And then yeah. I remember closing my eyes and I woke up 10 days later in Walter Reed Podesta back in the States. No way. Scaring the doctors. So did, was that, did you, so you were in a coma? I, I guess I was in a coma. Wow. Um, they told me that they were trying to fly me into Walter Reed Bethesda um, three or four times in the helicopter and they had to bring me back down because every single time I was about to die on them or I did die on them. Yeah. 
Oh my yeah, so it was a pretty severe case. Um, I I was stitched up pretty much from my right arm all yeah. across my stomach. Um, I had a colostomy bag. I lost my right side on my hip. I lost my left leg below um, below the knee. I lost a finger. I don't know how. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I, I, this almost seems like a stupid question. Like, did you, it sounded like you kind of did. Like, did you know the gravity of the situation Yes. as all this was going on? Like, you you knew the extent that, like, you were I, really hurt? I knew it was extreme. I, yeah. I knew that this could have been the end. To be honest with you, I thought it was going to be the end. But I, I don't know if it was my friends, if it was just my will to want to live or I'm, I'm a fighter. I don't, I've yeah. been fighting all my life. Like I, I was born in Compton. I, I never had a silver spoon to myself. I, my dad was a bad alcoholic that left my mother and I when she was pregnant with my little brother. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up with any any real male figure that has helped guide me properly, at least throughout my whole life. I've had my uncle, hmm. my father, like I've had people here and there, you know, mm-hmm. but my stepdad, my stepdad's awesome. Amazing, amazing guy. He actually quit his job after I got hurt to take care of me. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he wanted to make sure that I was going to be good for the rest of my life, you know? So yeah. he quit his job and just made sure I was good. And, um, I've, I think it's because of the fact that I, I don't, I like to tell people I'm retarded. I don't know how to die. I don't know how to roll over and die. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a trait of mine. I I just don't know how to stop, you know? And, and I think that's the best thing that I can have as a trait is, is the fact that I have that mentality of, um, I say when I'm not going to let anybody dictate my life. I'll never let anybody dictate when they're going to say they can kill me or whatnot. Like, um, yeah. in a sense, I'm, I'm still winning, you know, the bad guy didn't take me out. And if anything, it made me tougher to kill now. Cause I'm a smaller target. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such an amazing perspective. I mean, for you, like where, where did that fighting spirit come from? Like had that just, have you just always been wired that way? Is it a product of your environment? Like you said, like some of the stuff you had to overcome. I think the product of my environment, my, my dad was really abusive to my mother and all I can remember him was beating me and my mother up. So I, the only thing I ever been knowing is to protect. So I had my family. I even growing up, I have to protect my friends. Like I've made sure that, I guess all of us never ended up in gangs. Like all of us never ended up somewhere where we weren't supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Um, my cousin actually graduated from USC. Uh, he got kicked out of his house uh, at the time that he was looking to go in there. And, or I think he was already just transferring in and he got kicked out of his house. So he ended up living with me hmm. and he actually finished and graduated college at um, the year I got back. Um, when I got hurt, I actually got to see him graduate. So, uh, um, I've, I guess it's always been wired in my head and, and even going to school, I've, I had good teachers, but then there was teachers that would doubt me. Like I was a really smart hmm. individual. Um, I actually had, I graduated with honors in AP <laughs> from high school and I actually graduated, um, a whole semester early. So oh, wow. I, 
yeah, so I, I would, right after high school, I was working for a staffing agency and I was doing human resource work. So I was a manager, as a uh, human resource manager as a staffing agency, um, oh. making good money. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it was always the fact that people always doubted me. Like, so I guess mm. when, the dog, when I woke up, I, I woke up like, all right, let's do this. You know, like if you're going to wake me up, if you're going to keep me alive, like I'm, I'm ready. And the doctors told me like, you probably never walk again. I'm like, what? Like, that makes no sense, you know? So I guess that was kind of like them telling me you can't. So I'm like, all right, we'll watch you. I could fly now, you know? Yeah. And, and I guess that's always been my mentality, I, I guess, just because of the product, product of my environment, you know? I yeah. I don't like to hear no for an answer. I Even as a kid, like when I was 18 and I, I was already living on my own and stuff like that, and I had a little bit of bad credit. People were like, well, you can't have this. I'm like, well, money buys everything. So I started understanding that if I had a lot of money, then I'd be good to go, you know? So yeah. I, would, I would work really hard for what I wanted and stuff like that. So I guess it's always the mentality I've always kept. I know if I work hard for whatever it is that I want, whether it's me becoming the best surfer in the world or me just wanting to walk because that's what I want to do. I have to work hard at it. I can't just think like, all right, I'm just going to get up and do it. You know, it doesn't work that way. Like I got to yeah. apply something to it. I got to apply some dedication, some work to it, some, some habits that are going to actually make me become a better person every day. And, and that's little things that I've uh, slowly placed. And even to the point where I've got with my wife and everything got even better because now I can focus even more on the things that I truly want. And she helps guide me to like, Hey, I'm thinking of this idea. And she's like, well, why don't you put it this way? Or you think this would help you better? So she's always pushing and driving me. Like even before this, when I first started going to the gym, I'm like, I'm scared. Like I'm really, really scared. And she's like, well, what are you scared of? I was like, well, people are looking at me and they're like, people are always in the stare at you. So what? She goes, go and make friends. And slowly I've made Big, big, giant friends at the gym. So it makes me feel cool. And big guys come up to me like, hey, what's up? I'm like, yo, what's up? You know, so it's, it's, I guess, placing the proper things in front of you so you can actually achieve the goals that you want are also a big key element to um, keys in life and achieving whatever you want as an athlete. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, every single thing that you place yourself, if you place yourself with someone that you don't really um, – confine in or you could click with or you can really tell you everything that you're truly feeling then why a why are you with that person and b how are you going to become yourself a better person with that person next to you yeah so i, I think it's everything that we do for ourselves is 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 going to help us guide to where we want to be at yeah well now this uh when you said you're a fighter it makes a lot more sense um man i mean there's just so I mean, so many like amazing tidbits in there i feel like someone could probably write a book off that, <laughs> that last that last section but you know understanding you know you're you're clearly a very special person right but i i have to imagine that like even for the strongest of individuals that recovery process just, just must have been so trying like you know to, to the extent that you want to share um but what i would be interested you know is like how how did you mentally kind of like push through and come out the other side to kind of be this, you know, if I may, like we just met today, but like seemingly like really well dispositioned, incredibly positive, inspirational person. 
Like, was it a tough journey to get back to that point? Well, to be honest with you, I'm still working on it every day. Mm. I have to work on positivity every day. I have to work on um, not angering myself. It's a practice that I try to practice every single day. Um, To be honest with you, it's been a very, very tough road. Um, The thing I had to figure out was um, the why. So after I got hurt, um, I always kept asking why, like, why me? Why didn't you just take me? Why, you know, I was ready to die. Right. I literally should have died. Like, why didn't you take me? You know? And I kept asking why, why, why? And eventually I stopped asking why. And I'm like, man, this is the cards that I've been dealt. Let's do this then, you know? Like, so it's, it's something that I had to literally sit down and figure myself out and figure where I honestly had to sit my ass down in the corner, go through my whole life and understand the reasons why I get mad, why I get aggravated, why this, why that. And I started realizing that a lot of the reasons why came from childhood. My hmm. trauma, you know, I came to yeah. realize that because I felt like I didn't have the ability to help my mother out at the time that she needed to be helped when my dad was beating her or stuff like that. Like I, I held on to that like as it was my fault. And hmm. eventually I had to let all of that go and realize that if I kept holding on to that, then I'm not just going to hurt myself. I'm going to hurt my wife. I'm going to hurt those around me because I'm going to keep pushing them off thinking that this is the way I'm supposed to be because I'm a protector this way. And no, like that's not the way you're supposed to be. You're actually here to help and love, you know, and show that, that empathy, not sympathy. I like to show empathy because I, I yeah. can, I like to, I don't understand other people's positions because I've never been in their positions. But I would like to think that I can put myself in that position and say, I understand why you feel this way. Mm. And if I can put myself in that position and that other person, then I can see which way I can help them. So I think it's because of the fact that I've looked at myself in the mirror and really said, okay, this is what's wrong with me. This is what's wrong with me. This is what's wrong with me. And then started working at it, not just poke myself, but actually look at myself and say, okay, if I fix these things, then I'll become a lot better. If I stop being so angry, then I'll be a happier person. Right. So if I start practicing positivity every morning, every single day that I wake up, just to be grateful to wake up. And to be honest with you, I really feel so grateful every day because, again, I get the chance to make a difference in my life and maybe make a chance a difference in someone else's life. You know, And if I can do that, I understand that that's the reason why I'm alive. So I could make someone else's life a lot better, a lot happier, a lot to let them know that they're loved. You know, there's a lot of people that um, a lot of kids that I speak to when I go to the high schools and a lot of them feel like they're by themselves. And I tell them that my dad was an alcoholic and then they start opening their eyes. And then I tell them that my dad was abusive. And then they really lock in with me because some of them are being abused at home and they don't feel what's that they're by themselves, you know, like someone else can't help them out. And this is what I tell them. I'm like, you know what? You're not there to be someone else's abusive child or parent or there to help someone else when they're being this way. But what I can tell you is that this is going to end soon. And I promise you that you'll get a lot better once you understand what's going on around you. You Mm -hmm. know, 
unfortunately, a lot of parents make the bad decisions of being with someone that is hurtful. And then in return, when they have children, guess who gets hurt is the children, you know? And I've been a product of my environment and I want people to understand that you don't have to be a full product of your environment. You know, like I've made a big change in my world. The fact that I've been able to help so many people around me. Um, my, my brother that just lost his father, uh, Sergeant, he actually told me because of me posting the last year of his father's life has been so life-changing. He said that his father has been in pain for the last 20 years. And because of me doing the things that I've been doing, posting on social media and just being the person that I am, he said, mm-hmm. if this guy is so happy with a lot less than what I have, how mm-hmm. can I not be this happy? And he said that he started hunting, he started fishing, he started like doing the things that he've always liked to do. And that made me feel really, really happy. The fact that unfortunately I never got to meet him, but I was able to help him in a different way. And, and, that just makes me feel accomplished. I went from feeling worthless when I first got hurt to actually feeling like I'm here with a purpose and doing something, um, not just for myself, but for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that feels really good. I mean, I have people and see me at the gym, they're like, wow. And cause I'm soaking wet. Like I'm soaking wet when I'm at the putting gym. in work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I look at them like, why don't you like this? Like, you know, like, and they look at me and like, I need to get on it. You know? Right, right. They're like, oh, damn. All right. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah I mean, when it's gym time, you put the phone down, you just put your music on and we go, you know, like, yep. whatever it is that you got to listen to, listen, but put the phone down and let's put, let's get to work, you know? And that's an aspect of my life that I've always continued on with is um, I actually got really, really big when I was recovering um, because of the pills, because of, um, I actually had a reversal for my colostomy. Um, Mm. It actually went bad. I couldn't eat for three months. So my wife, which was my girlfriend at the time, was injecting me with nutrients and liquids and stuff like that. And um, three months after is when everything kind of settled up and it worked well. So I went ham on food and just started eating and got all big. And yeah. the pills were like crushing me up. And because of the pills as well, I was going through depression. And then I started looking myself in the mirror and I was fat. Yeah, these are these are like painkillers. Yeah, like, you know. So um, I, from one day to another, I think a couple of months before um, I actually left the military and the hospital, I threw up, I threw all the pills away. And that was the last time I ever took any pills, to be honest with you. So I've been really pill- just cold turkey. Yeah, I've been pill free. Uh, yeah, it was probably the worst thing I ever did, but the wor- best thing I ever did. Um, yeah, I, going through all those withdrawals and stuff like that, it was insane. But eventually, I got it down to where I'm I'm good to go now. No pills in my system for the last six years, maybe. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So when I see, it, you know, I'm like, come on, guys, you guys know better, <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, we don't need this. Sometimes it's a mental thing. You know, I've mm. read more books that some people actually like to feel the pain, to feel themselves like, you know, to feel them a lot better. 
to make themselves feel better when they tell others that, oh, I'm feeling bad or whatnot. They just want some remorse and stuff like that. Some mm. people mentally like it. And that's why um, I go to the gym a lot because I, at the gym, I really think about what I want in life. And at that time, I just want water, deep breath, and then probably a different shirt because it's just so much that's going on. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm mentally preparing myself for the next level for always before I, I got hurt, I was running 20 miles a day. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so you were always an athlete. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, I enjoy 20 miles a day. Oh my God. It just like sunk in how much that is. That's a lot. Yes. I, <laughs> what Cameron Hayes is posting and stuff like that, I was doing just because I, I, I needed to run. I was mentally struggling and trying to figure myself out and what my next position was or what I wanted to do next. And I started realizing that if I would wake up really early in the morning and do, and clear my head, then the rest of the day was pretty smooth and I didn't have to worry about a lot of dumb stuff, you know? Yeah, like, isn't that incredible? Going to worry about drinking, mm-mm, too tired. Um, going to worry about doing some dumb stuff at a club, mm-mm, too tired, can't go. You know, yeah. Out by, the time, by 10 o'clock, I was already so tired that I just wanted to go to sleep. Right. So I started figuring out things at, at a young age because I, I didn't want to get in trouble. I, I hated, hated fighting. I, you know, people, I was bald before. So I bald and tattoos, it, it doesn't mix, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a little brown. So, <laughs> it really doesn't mix. you know, and I, I just didn't want to get into trouble and I didn't want to be a disappointment in my own life or in my mother's life. I mean, my mm. parents came from El Salvador to, to create a better life over here. And I wasn't going to mess that up for them. So I, I, I was trying my best to keep away from a lot of things. So I figured out that working out was going to be the best thing for me. Even before I joined the military, I would run to the gym, work yeah. out for four hours and just be there. Like I, I figured out that I didn't have to be partying. I didn't have to be doing a lot of things. I just, I wanted to be clear minded. I wanted to, not to be mad. I wanted to be just a happy person. Like I've always been, you know, unfortunately I've, I've had things that have been hurtful and just kind of made me a little bit grumpier, but gracefully I've been able to let go of all those things. And because of that, um, when I see other um, veterans that look tough, I break them down real fast. Like it's, it's that easy for me because uh, they see that I'm actually sincere. You know, yeah. that when I say things, I truly mean it. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. When I say things, when I say I love you, it's because I truly do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I go and shake hands and or when I hug you as a person, I always, I always try to show true love and true emotion because I feel like a lot of people are fake around here. Yeah. You know, a lot of people like to be on their phones. Like even even when they're around you, they, they decide to pick up their phones and go on social media like... What are we hanging out for? You know? Why am I? Yeah, you know, so I, I don't like to do stuff like that. So I like to give, that's why I apologize for the time thing because oh, I, no, that's so it's, it's important. You know, you have a family, you have things that you're doing and I, I don't, I don't ever want to feel like I'm wasting someone's time. And, and again, I'm sorry. No, no. Well, I, I, you don't need to, but I, I appreciate that no, very much. Definitely. You know, I, I feel like that's, that's the only way we're going to get over the suicide thing. That's the only way we're going to get over this. Um, 
this feeling of people feel some people in this world feel entitled or some people feel like they need to be split into two a right side and the left side. If mm. people are really being unsympathetic and empathetic and Empathy, really yeah. loving each other, like love your neighbor, love your neighbor, right? You know, love your neighbor. You know, if people start doing these things, like life would be a lot better, like gracefully just living around, we wouldn't have a lot of the problems that we have right now. Yeah. You know? and, and I feel like if we, if we continue to be positive with people around us, with um, if we, even when we start, if we start with our circle around us, most people have around five to ten people in their circle. Yeah. By those five to ten people start changing their attitude into a positive ones to always want to show and give love, you know, and give their best to every single person that they're around. Then those people will start changing those, and they'll just be a huge impact and a different effect, you know, mm-hmm. and just like myself uh, a lot of people have told me that they're changed their lifestyle because they see me at the gym all the time because they see me posting that i'm always moving that i'm always yeah i'm always moving because i have no other choice i want to live i want to be happy and this yeah. is thing that it takes for me to be happy i need to be at the gym i need to be surfing i need to be um always reading books i'm constantly reading books during this cold corona thing Nothing's changed in my life. I'm still going to the gym. I'm still reading books. I'm still swimming. I've been still surfing. Like nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed, honestly, is the fact that I can't go and sit at the at a restaurant to eat some good food. Now I have to make the good food. But right, you know, it just takes a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Dude, but, I mean, I think I feel like you nailed it. It's um, empathy. Right. It's like taking the time to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And even if you haven't directly experienced it, it's like trying to understand what they could be going through. Um, and it sounds I mean, what, what's coming off is like, you know, from there should come like compassion. Absolutely. Right. Like some, some understanding, like you're saying, like, love your neighbor. Um, it, you know, I, I feel for you, it sounds like there's so many opportunities in your life where you could have taken the other path. You could have chosen to be angry. You could have fought everybody. You could, you know what I mean? Like I, this is what I tell people. I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. The whole world would have been okay with me being in the wheelchair or in the couch for the rest of my life, Hmm. but I'm not okay with that. And that's something wrong that there's something wrong with that, that the world would always be okay with someone like myself to be in the couch and not doing anything for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And, and that's why I do what I do because I've, I travel, I, I do things on my own and I, I, I have a big truck. Like I when I go hunting, I take my big truck and I don't have any controls for it. I literally drive with my um, prosthetic because oh, okay. I don't, I'm, I'm not handicapped. The only reason I have that thing is so I can park closer. <laughs> you know and that's the thing like if people start understanding that we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard like what happened to holding ourselves to a higher standard mm. we're here to be the best the best if we're going to be better than the last century than the last past then you know we've all seen it crumble and we're yeah. going the same route why don't we change something about that why don't we hold ourselves to a higher standard? Everybody. Imagine yeah. if everybody was out here walking around holding themselves to a higher standard. Everybody would either be geniuses or would have the best bodies in the world. And I, I will take that world any day. Yeah. Any day, you know? I mean, do you do you ever get frustrated 
knowing, I mean, even if we just focus on like the physical recovery that you've had to will yourself through, I mean, does it get frustrating to watch people, you know, and I, I feel guilty of this too, but like living below their potential, do you yeah. know what I mean? Or like taking yeah. the, e- taking the easy route, like, yes, it's, uh, I, it used to bother me more before a lot less now. Um, yeah. I would even have, sometimes my boys would be right next to me and they're like, he didn't do anything. Why is he crying? Like, you gotta understand they don't come from the same place we come from. So they don't understand certain things the certain way we do, you know? Yeah. So that's what I tell people. Like it, it's, it's bothersome sometimes because I know that they have such a bigger potential, but they don't see it in themselves. And mm. that's what I'm here to do is to give them that, that, Hey, I see you. I know you have it in you and you got this. And I felt like anybody that has actually came up to me or anybody that I've spoken to has actually grasped that, hmm. you know, I don't know if I have some kind of power in me or something that I just, you know, but I, I feel like every single person that I do talk to, I, I make sure that they understand how truly strong they really are. You know, everything's in the mind. Everything is really in the mind. You know, if you can make sure that you can see it, I mean, when you go to the gym, you see a lot of people just visualizing themselves in the mirror doing what they're about to do. A lot of people, when they're doing deadlifts and stuff like that, they visualize themselves doing it before they do it. And then yeah, that's such a good point. You know, so I mean, why don't we do the same thing with everything else that we want in life? Why can't we just visualize what we want? We can visualize ourselves with a six pack. If we don't want a six pack, we can visualize ourselves barrel chested. You know, I, right. trust me, I've been through all gaps. <laughs> so, and it's awesome to every single different way. You know, there's guys that just want to be big because they want to lift heavy. And that's amazing to me. They're like, right. they're incredible Hulk, you know? And then there's guys that just want, like, now I'm at the point where I just want to be fast, agile, but still strong. Mm-hmm. You know, body weight, stuff like that. So as long as I can lift myself, I'm, I'm pretty good. And I continue on because it helps me so much in the water. I can't be so, I can't be too big to where I can't stroke fast enough because I always help myself. I'm pretty good in the water. Like yeah. I'm really good in the water. So, and I, I like that about myself. So um, it's to the point where hopefully maybe one day I can compete by myself in the water. Cause there's a, a the, I think it's uh, above the, above your waist uh, amputee. Okay. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's a couple of guys that are one armed and they're really good at surfing. So that's hopefully one day I, I can be that good that I can be out there by myself. You know? Yeah. And I mean, that, this is, this is a great place to transition. Um, you know, you are pretty good, right? <laughs> so you're on, you're on team USA and stop me if I get this wrong, but the, the adaptive surfing team is technically the title, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah. And then uh, you just had an awesome performance at the world para surfing championships. Yeah, I went from being nobody to being officially ranked third in the world. So amazing. Be number one, of course, but yeah. uh, I felt a little short. That heat was incredible. If you were out there, I actually had my guys that um, my brothers that were with me during the war when I blew up. I had all my guys actually come out. Um, we're oh, celebrating awesome. that actual weekend. It was awesome. 
But um, when our heat went out and we started catching waves, it felt like the whole beach was erupting with people yelling. Like everybody was waiting for our heat to hit because our heat had a bunch of really, really good hitters that everybody wanted to see. And it was an awesome experience. The fact that I, I told myself two years ago when I started that I was going to be up there in the podium and it happened. It was just visualization of what I wanted to do. And I worked hard for what I wanted. I started going to the gym. I yeah. trained every day. I started understanding what the water um, was saying to me. So I started reading it better and I started going surfing four or mm. five times a week. Like uh, I've, I've actually camped at Camp Pendleton before just to catch some waves the next day because it was so good. Um, I, I, I just started becoming focused, just like in the military, I was focused, just like before I joined, uh, I was focused, I was running, I was going to the gym, and just mentally wanted to prepare myself. I always knew that if I went to the military, guess what, there was a chance of me dying, and I was okay with that, but I was going to give it a fighting chance, and I made sure of that, you know. Uh, the doctors also told me that because I was so strong in my core, that that's the reason why they felt like I was able to, my body closed up so fast. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was because I, w I had such a strong core from running and I would ruck, I mean, 120, 200, 300 pounds sometimes because that's what we had to do. Yeah. You can't I, get all that, you know? So yeah, my legs, my, all of that, my, I had such a strong core. I had such strong legs. Like I had a strong upper body because I used to train with certain names you know, and that's all we ever did was try to be the best at what we were doing. And I think that just stuck with me was wanting to be the best, not because I wanted to prove something to the world, but I wanted to prove something to myself. You know? <laughs> yeah. The, well, more, the more and more I do these uh, competitions, I realize that it's not even just for myself anymore um, because I compete with kids that are paraplegic, that have... Um, all kinds of different things. Um, they're the future. And I want to make sure that um, they're the reason why I started competing because they were doing something different, you know, and mm. I want to make sure that this gets so big that we'll always have a future for those kids that um, feel like they'll never have an opportunity to become a world champion or anything like that. Like there's absolutely no disability in this world. You know, we, we have the capability of doing anything. It doesn't matter what you think is wrong with you or what the world might say is wrong with you. As right. long as you can talk to us and say, hey, I want to do this, we'll make it happen. You know, and that's that's all I've understood now is, as the more and more that I compete, that I share this hype with people and I share this stuff. Like, I've won awards for being the most stoked, you know? <laughs> and, and I love oh, it. That's a fantastic I, award. I love to share. I, I love to share this energy with people. I'm so happy. Like, I, the fact that we have an opportunity to show off to the world, like, how cool we can be, like, that's awesome. Like, who wouldn't want to be out there and just be happy and show, show how dedicated we truly are because we are athletes. I don't see yeah. ourselves as not being athletes, you know? And if one day we can get these younger kids getting paid to do these kind of things, that would be amazing. You know, um, a lot of these kids have these thought processes of wanting to be um, actors, wanting to be sportsmen, wanting to be 
all kinds of different things, a lot of sports that they can't play. But guess what? There's a lot of sports that are being developed now through um, adaptabilities. You know, we have hockey. One of our uh, captains, she's the, she actually won uh, first place at the world's uh, title event here uh, in the ISA World Surfing Championships. And the week before, she won the hockey championships in Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, and she's in the wheelchair as well. She was a, a Marine helicopter pilot and she got this thing that started paralyzing her body. So she had to adapt and overcome and she's a champion now in two different sports. You know, it, it's amazing. It is amazing. You know, and the fact that I'm able to um, share this with the world, uh, the fact that I get looked at more and more. Uh, Billabong started sponsoring me with wetsuits. Uh, it's been pretty amazing. I never thought that I would be on uh, Fox News sharing my stories and stuff like that. So it's it's been an actual, an amazing roller coaster ride is what I like to say. Because I um, even through all of this, I've had ups and downs, you know. I've mm-hmm. fallen mentally. I struggle with, I don't know how good I will be to be first you know um that's always the thing behind your head like as a as a competitor you want to be the best yeah and that's something something you're always worried about of how hard you're going at the gym like and if you go too hard you hurt yourself a week before like then what you know and so all these things come to your mind so and the struggle is honestly more here than anything else like and Mm -hmm. you can visualize it and make sure that you know there's a greater outcome at the end. The journey is amazing. I mean, the struggle is part of everything. You know, you wouldn't be who you are if you didn't fall, if you didn't hurt yourself, if you didn't understand certain things of when you did fall. You know. Yeah. So well, I. Go ahead. No, it's it's so incredible, and like I just keep thinking, you know, for something that that was and but could have been so tragic that happened to you in a strange way like you've been able to take it and it it, it's become an inspiration for so many people outside of your immediate sphere of influence do you know what i mean like i'm just thinking like you the example of uh you know you're 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 good you're really close friends uh father who just passed away and the impact that you had on like the final years of his life it's like it took something that was so incredibly trying for you personally to like bring out potentially the best of that person on another part of the country. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just so incredible to me. Well, for the same reason I smile because I, I'm not grumpy. I, I mean, mm. I'm richer sometimes, but I'm not grumpy. I promise you. Come up to me and talk to me. Like, um, I will talk to you, you know? And yeah. I just, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy that the bad guy didn't win. I'm happy that I'm here to share this love still with my brothers, that I can still talk to them. I can still call them up. I'm happy that I got married after all of this. You know, I'm happy that uh, I have the things that I have. And most importantly, that I have, that I have this happiness now. Um, It's crazy to say that before all of this, I've never been this happy ever in my life. (laughs) Um, Genuinely. You know, I struggled a lot with where I lived. I struggled a lot with um, not having much. I struggled a lot with trying to figure myself out. And now that I know the path that I'm going to and I want to take, I know that I can become anything that I want in this world. 
and I'm absolutely blessed that I that I get to do these things and I get to help others. I started a nonprofit organization because I wanted to help others as well. Yeah, can we talk a little bit about that so people can just be aware of, of what yeah. you guys are doing? Absolutely. Um, it's called Four Season Fighters. Uh, you can find us at fourseasonfighters.org. And um, what we're doing is we're, we're helping veterans out, taking them out hunting, fishing, just getting them out in the outdoors. But it's not just um, veterans. Um, I made sure that I wanted to take out first responders, police officers, like the people in our community that continuously help us. And we never really give thanks properly. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that firemen also have a big um, suicide um, rate. So because they help out a lot of people and some people, they're not able to actually fully rescue. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they feel some type of pain. And I want to make sure that all our guys are, are safe because those are the number of who runs into a fire is what I'm going to ask, right. you, you know, and we don't, I feel like we don't say thank you enough. So um, I wanted to make sure that we're taking out firemen, policemen, and just thanking them and wanting to make sure that they're, they, they recognize that we recognize that we love what they're doing and we can't thank them enough. And eventually we want to transition down to helping um, children um, that have some type of adaptability needed yeah. to take them out. Um, I do archery. I do mouth type shooting with archery and that's, I'm kind of, I've been the guinea pig at the beginning before we even started this okay. <laughs> um, with uh, Zach Ames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he was my sergeant in the military. Yep. He's he's the one that we've been doing all of this with and uh, two other buddies that we started this with. And we just, we hunted with them and I was kind of the guinea pig of this to see if we were able to take out, like they figured if they got me to go out there and do some of these crazy things, then we should be able to take someone with uh, about the same thing. If not, we will figure it out, you right. know? And uh, the first time they took me out to this giant hill, we were literally going up this giant mountain at like four in the morning. The sun wasn't out or anything. And on the way down, I saw the cliff. I'm like, we came up this and you want me to go down here? <laughs> and he goes, hurry up. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but we've been able to figure out that we have um, a place to take um, all these people out. And we want to help out our community a lot more. So we started this amazing nonprofit. And hopefully, even through all of this, we're able to... Actually, we took out um, a veteran two months ago. Uh, Took him out elk hunting. Um, He was Iraqi and an Afghanistan veteran. Hmm. So we were able to take him out and had a great time. He was able to harvest his meat. And what we do is we give him the meat. We give him the mount and stuff like that. So they have food to take back to their family and their friends. Um, That's actually how I got started. I actually got started hunting after I got hurt. Um, I never knew about hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I never knew about hunting. I guess not a lot of hunting happening in Compton. Less opportunity (laughs) to hit the great outdoors. I figured it out. I I fell in love with it. And I I went from hunting deer to elk to turkey, uh, pheasant. I I hunt it as long as it's edible. Um, I got a bear tag one time. I was grateful I didn't see it. I don't know how I felt about killing Yogi the bear. Right. (laughs) But it's just me personally. Right. That's where we draw the line. Yeah, so, but um, I will kill a cat, though, because there was a mountain lion that came into my house and almost killed one of my dogs. Whoa. Yeah, mountain lions yeah. are terrifying. 
I was, uh, I wasn't okay with it before, but now I think uh, I'm down to take one out because I understand why my friends uh, and the ranch, they're always, the minute they hear a cat or see prints, it's on. It's on, yeah. So, yeah so I'm like, I felt bad at the first, like the first time I heard it. And then a couple of times after I'm like, oh, I understand why. Yeah. Like, Go get them. They start you know? taking down family members and. Uh, yes. Oh yeah. They take down everything, yeah. you know, and they're telling me that they even, um, they actually play around with, um, sometimes they don't even eat the meat right. that they kill. Yeah. So there's just to play. Yeah, to exactly. Off, you know? I'm like, what? They're mean. Yeah, man. You, know? <laughs> you know, but, um, gracefully because of, um, what another nonprofit, uh, has done for me, I wanted to do it in return for others as well. So, um, we started this and it got me hooked. It has me still living on this earth, still wanting to wake up and wait for deer season, for elk season, for, you know, and we want to give, um, we want to give these guys, uh, an ability for them to have something to look forward to, you know? Yeah. So, so hopefully we're, we have the capability of doing that through all of this and hopefully we can become very big to where we help most of the world and disseminate this, um, the suicide problem, you know, Yeah. hopefully we can stop all of this. And that's, that's the goal. I guess from the beginning of this, I, I promised myself the world and my wife that I will never, ever take my life. And I've done everything that I can. And I've been really great. My wife has been amazing through all of this being so helpful. She just literally, Hey, I want to try this out. She goes, okay, let's, let's see if we can do this, you know, surfing, archery, like, she got me my bow two years ago for my birthday and it was the best thing ever. Like even through quarantine, that's all I've been doing is practicing with my archery. Yeah. yeah. So just, I, I got things to do and I got places to be and people to see. So. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we can give this to the rest of the world. Some, some type of spark of interest for life, you know, uh, maybe they're, maybe they're not hunters, but they're fishers because fishing is awesome too. Yeah. You know, or maybe they just want to be outdoorsmen and just go out and hike and stuff like that. And that's all we care for. We just want to see them actually wanting to be out in the outdoors and stuff like that. So oh, and man. create a network of people. So you always know that we have your back. It's amazing. Dude, I mean, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say like, you know, thank, thank you so much for your service, what, what you've done to help protect this country. But I mean, just as much and almost even more so, man, just thank you for, you know, being the type of person that you are trying to make a positive impact. I mean, I wish I had the video recorded because it is, I mean, what we're on other sides of the country and like the positivity is, <laughs> man. So I, I'm, I'm so grateful I got the opportunity to talk to you. I, I know folks are going to get a lot, a lot out of this one that is, I think it's just going to change the way that hopefully they look at the world for a long period of time, but definitely immediately after listening to it. Um, all right. Surfing. When's, when's the next competition? What do you got? What do you got yeah. coming down the pike next? Is coronavirus screwing yeah. this up? Down right. You know what? Before this whole Corona thing, we were supposed to be in Europe right now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, we were supposed to be doing a whole contest. Like, I think it was like four stops up in Europe. Oh, man. And, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. So all of this, like, kind of killed all of that. But um, if everything goes right, I think we might have a competition in September. And that's the big Oceanside competition, which is really, really fun because it's always really big. 
So, <laughs> and I've always come in either in second or in third in that competition. And this time I think I know what I'm supposed to do in the way. Yeah. So hopefully I've come out at first on this one. So, um, that's all we're hoping for that they actually open up this competition and we'll be good to go. Oh, well, if they do, I have no doubt that if it's not this year, eventually you're going to get first. I think that much has been, uh, made (laughs) obvious over the course of this presentation, um, Uh, or sorry, interview presentation. So, so, okay. For people who want to follow you, I'm definitely going to link, link to the nonprofit one more time. It was, it was four seasons foundation. Four season fighters. Four season fighters. I'm sorry. I'll make sure you yeah, get that right. Fighters. You can find us at fourseasonfighters.org. Okay. Awesome. And then uh, is there anywhere else people can follow you? Are you on Instagram? Do you have a what? Yes. You can follow me at one guru one, which is one, the number one. Okay. You are you and another number one again. So Perfect. One guru one. Awesome. Yeah. And, and um, the reason why I have the guru on there is because even before all of this, my friends used to actually call me guru for the knowledge that I used to have before then. So <laughs> Dude, I believe I, it. I with it. Yeah. I've been having my Instagram when I think when I first started, because my friend was like, Hey, you're leaving. I need to figure out a way for that. You're alive. <laughs> so can you just put something up? I'm like, sure. We started this. So, um, I'm trying to help the world change their attitude and their perspective on life. So hopefully I can become the guru of the Western world and see a spark of life and a spark of change. Uh, Hopefully I can leave this world a better place than where I came in because there was riots going on then. So I'm tired of seeing these riots again. Yeah, man. So. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, this, this has been awesome. And I, I, you know, I sincerely mean this. We got to get you back on the podcast again here in the near future. There's still so many. Th- I have a whole list of things. I didn't even <laughs> ask you that. I'm just dying to know. So dude, we'll definitely get you back. This has been such an honor, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, and it'll be honored to be back. Um, I love doing these. Uh, if I can do it again, please let me know when, and we'll be on. Absolutely, man. We'll get it set up. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Then, mommy, you better go ask mommy, daddy. <laughs> Whew, what an episode! Yeah, it was great. He was so. He was so. I, I told you this when I, when I finished up, but he was so positive and I even said yeah. it during the show, like it, it literally is contagious. Yeah. Like I get- I've been, you know, I, I don't know. Everyone has stuff in their day that gets them down. And I've literally reflected back on that conversation multiple times. And I've been like, you know, gotta be grateful, gotta be positive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, it's, it's incredible. The impact that conversation had yeah, just on, on me as an individual. Person. I know, I know. Well, and that's, what I was kind of, I wanted to understand too, right? Like when I asked him, like, where does that come from? And he was like, well, part of it is like my environment, you know, for sure. Yeah. Like he overcame so many obstacles. Oh my God. I know. Heartbreaking. You know, so many obstacles just in like adolescence, Mm -hmm. you know, forget like what he's had to go through after like his, his like catastrophic injury in the military. Um, and I would argue like among the most like positive people that I've spoken to, I don't know, maybe ever. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone. It's just, man, like. That was so uplifting. Yeah. Really, really uplifting and just an absolute pleasure to talk to him. And on top of that, like you can tell he has so much joy for surfing. Yeah. So cool. And he's just completely thrown himself into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I really, I really hope people took away as much from that one uh, as I did. 
And I'm sure they did. Yeah, How I'm could sure you not? They did. Um, so I have something that I want to ask you before we get into the takeaways. Oh boy. <laughs> now that we have this on official record. You love surprising me. So you have been cutting my hair since quarantine started. We've been going with a real high and tight buzz cut. Sure have. Um, there was about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, a point where I thought I was just balding on a patch at the side of my head. I thought just the side, the <laughs> hair on the side of my head fell out. <laughs> where is this going? Now, listen, today I was looking in the mirror and I realized, wow, that hair grew back really quickly. Like I almost, it? almost at the same rate as the rest of my hair. <laughs> so I'm asking you now on record <laughs> in front of everyone who listens to the show. Did you nick the side of my head and just not tell me and allow me to believe <laughs> that I was balding from stress? I mean, not on purpose, but the, the, when I gave you a haircut like six weeks ago, I was a little tipsy. Yeah, you were a little tipsy. I had a friend over and we were drinking margaritas and then you were like, you know, I need my haircut. And I said, okay, Kenny, let's do this thing. Okay. So you did not confirm, nor did you deny. That would make more sense than you were like losing your hair in one patch on the side of your head. But it happens to people. There's a term for it too, which... Alopecia? Yeah, maybe. But I think that's like, I, some people do like temporarily, they'll like bald in one spot. There's a bunch of people listening right now, nodding their head. They're like, yep. Yeah. He's not smart enough to remember what it's called, but that is a thing. <laughs> and that is what you led me to believe was happening to me. And now I'm pretty okay. confident. For the just record, buzzed the I, have side of no, I have no recollection of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but after that haircut, you also had a bunch of patches that weren't cut at all. That's also true. So, okay. Actually, you have one right now on the top of your head. I do have one right now on the top of my head. Been there. Luckily, for no. a few days now. Luckily, I don't have to interact with people in person. All right. So it doesn't I, show up on camera, so but I see it in person. Still an unsolved, unsolved mystery. But I think we can probably assume that one's. Yeah, that's that one's probably on you. That's probably my fault. My bad. So okay, back to the takeaways, and I I almost feel like it's a disservice to like try and like pull nuggets out of that because everything the whole thing was a nugget man a yeah the whole thing was just gold mine. so was gold, gold mine. so inspirational uh and it really makes me happy to know that like he is out there constantly like spreading that positivity giving encouragement preaching about empathy you know like yeah because i feel like it had an impact on me i hope it has an impact on everyone who listened and just you know like think about if someone like that came to your high school and you got to hear that story and you're a kid going through some of that stuff yeah. and you get to see someone who's like gone through it, overcome that. And so much more, so much more. And then like has such a positive attitude. Like how mm -hmm. could you not walk away from that? Like feeling hopeful. Yeah. It's so true. I, mean, I, I don't know. I get a little choked up just thinking about it, but oh, just, man, awesome. 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 Uh, you know, I, I don't even know what this is, but the big thing I took away is just like, you know, the, the, the fighters spirit. Mm -hmm. Like, and maybe I'll tie this into one of the takeaways I had written down, but you know, there, it just seems there was nothing that was going to be put in front of him that through like sheer force of will and, you know, like a calculated approach, he wasn't going to be able to overcome, to overcome. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, one part that really resonated with me is like when he said, Hey, you know, the doctors told me I couldn't walk. 
And his response was, well, you know, now I'm going to fly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it makes me emotional and I wasn't even there. Um, but what I think I take away from that is like, don't let other people tell you what, you know, where your ceiling is. Don't let them put like parameters around you as to like what you're capable of. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are like medical professionals who deal with like people with these catastrophic injuries. You know, they've probably seen enough where they felt pretty confident, like, hey, like you're probably never going to walk again. Yeah. And if he had like listened to that, well, he probably he wouldn't have. Yeah. You know, so just how amazing that like, don't let someone else tell you what you're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And he's just uh, just a shining example of that in so many ways. As a doctor, you would think that instead of saying you'll probably never walk again, mm-hmm. wouldn't you think it'd be better to like show examples of people who have overcome that and walked again and put instill hope instead of <laughs> like crushing someone? You'd think. I mean, maybe there's liability there for right. giving false. So I don't know, but. No, I agree. It's crazy. Like you would feel like give people optimism. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. To your point, maybe there is liability reasons, but I just think that was something that really struck a chord with me. Yeah. You know, don't ever, it could just be like whatever your dream is. Like if you have some big, wild, crazy dream, like don't let others like tell you whether or not like it's possible. Yeah. You know, cause they don't know what you're capable of. They don't know what the, the hard work you're willing to put in. That was a big one. And I know you had a really good one too. And then I kind of, yeah, well, this kind of ties into, he mm-hmm. said that struggle is part of everything and you wouldn't be the person that you are if you didn't go through things or have traumas in your life and it kind of makes you the person you are. So it's kind of how you take it. Yeah. I think that's really true. Mm-hmm. Like life is amazing and it really is. And I love it. But like when you look like so much of it in one way or another is struggle. Mm-hmm. You're just like. And everybody has them, whether it's something yep. small to overcome or something enormous, like being a triple amputee. Mm-hmm. But and it's, it's all, it's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. But you can literally overcome almost anything. And he proves that. Yes. And you know what? Okay. I am going to just jump into it. The other takeaway that I had, it just like, it goes with your point. So, well, you never know either, like how your challenge, which can be something that's so painful for you can actually be used as an inspiration Mm -hmm. or to create some good for someone else. Like it's such I I don't know it when you're in the moment going through something really trying I don't think you ever have the presence of mind to be like, hey, this is something that I'm going to be able to use for good, either for myself or for someone else. You know, but mm-hmm. just that one story he told about uh, his good buddy whose dad in his the later years of his life, like drew inspiration from watching Jose's story. And like yeah. no one would ever, ever wish that Jose or, or any of the other men and women who have been injured, you know, while serving our country would ever have to go through that. I do think it's incredible that, you know, from something so traumatic, you know, can actually like inspire someone else to live a better life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, That was a really good one. The other thing that he said, 
mean, he didn't even say it, but I just kind of, I just kind of took it away from all of the examples that he gave over the course of that conversation. Um, you know, that an obstacle is, is just that it's just something that you need to figure out how to get over, mm-hmm. you know, for him initially, when we started talking, it was about, you know, walking again, it could have been something that was a, a barrier, you know, Hey, there's no chance. But instead he viewed it as an obstacle. Like, no, I just need to like take the time to figure this out. I need to, is it a strength thing? Is it a maneuverability thing? Is it a prosthetic thing? Mm-hmm. And just, he figured it out. Yeah. And he kind of said like and that. And he did it so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's unreal. It really is unreal. But And even like his reason for, like what he said, one of the biggest reasons for him, like pushing him to figure out how to walk was when he went on that diving trip and he didn't want to be a burden on other mm. people. Like he got, how, he is so selfless. Yeah. Like he said for him too, it was a lot for him, but for other people, he's, he, what a special person. He was just so incredible to listen to. Yeah. And I just love too, that he was honest. He was like, look, it's still hard. Mm-hmm. I'm not just this like perfectly well dispositioned person like every day, you know, it's like still mm-hmm. hard for me. I still have to, wake up and I put into practice things that like help me be more positive, help me be more grateful. And I think that's the lesson there. It's, you know, this story is incredibly inspiring. Um, I, I hope people realize that like that outlook that he's achieved is possible, but like, don't be mistaken that it doesn't take a lot of like work and effort and determination. Yeah. You know, and I don't think, uh, I think he just, I think he said that. Mm -hmm. The other thing that was cool too is, you know, he is still constantly trying to build himself into the best all around person he can be, whether that be physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, emotionally, you know, I think that's a really good nugget for people to take away. Mm -hmm. Like you are always a work in progress. Yeah. I know you and I have talked about this. Like, I hope, you know, when we sit down and I'm 43, like I'm not the same person that you were talking to at 33. Like, I hope I'm a much more evolved, better version of same what I am today. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> but anyways, such a good one. I almost feel like I, I, there was no need for to even do this takeaway section because it's like, what else can you say that, that he didn't? Yeah. No, I mean... I think people are really going to get a lot out of this episode. And how cool that he's worked himself to where he just got third in the world. Crazy. Or he's ranked third in the world. Yeah, it's amazing. Really cool. But, you know, the other thing that he said, and I wish I would have asked him more about it, it sounds like he has plans to even, like, work himself into a different division within that, like, adaptive surfing, I don't know if community is the right word, but, like, he's not even done. Like, it sounds like he's going to so get cool. to the point where he's going to be a world champion in his division. And he's already got his eyes on like, hey, how do I continue to become a better swimmer? Yeah, how well, do I like get you to said, a- It's so important to continuously yeah. evolve and work on making yourself better. Yeah, I know. So inspiring. Yeah. Um, let's talk really quick about his nonprofit. Yes. Four Seasons Fighters. Dot org. Yes. If you would like to make a donation, if you want to learn more, please check that out. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Just how cool too, that now he's going out beyond just like creating this life for himself where he's in a great place. He's now made it his mission uh, in partnership with, you know, my, my, my buddy that I grew up with Zach Ames to um, continue to touch the lives of others, knowing how much they need help. 
yeah. folks who really deserve gratitude. And like you said, don't, don't necessarily get it in the right way. I know. It's, yeah. It's also disheartening to think. Yeah. There's so many people out there putting their lives on the line that we're not even really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's messed up. It's so easy just to live in your own bubble. Yeah. I know. But yeah, yeah so it makes you feel out. a little uncomfortable too. You're like, oh shit, I'm such an asshole. I know. I know. I feel bad. I've been, you know, the stuff I'm worrying about. And then we have folks who are serving, you know, selfless heroes, the true definition of a hero. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it's like they just, uh, they get hurt. And then a lot of times, unfortunately, forgotten. Um, yeah. So check out the fourseasonfighters.org. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Really incredible things. Absolutely. For all sorts of first responders and not just veterans. He said it's firefighters, police officers. Yep. So yeah, it's a really good thing they're doing. Yeah. Very, very thankful to those guys for the awesome work they're doing. Well, I I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I want to have him back on because there was a whole bunch of stuff that uh, I feel like would be so great to hear, you know, his visualization, how he's actually approaching being positive when he wakes up. So he'll be back. We'll get him back on the show. But uh, all right, folks. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed that one as much as we do. Uh, We will be back next week. So make sure to subscribe so that it ends up right on your little handheld device every week. (laughs) And we will see you then. Bye. Bye.